What I'm sharing with you this morning, I've entitled Equipped for the Work of Ministry. Equipped for the Work of Ministry. Now, would you please take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to spend some time there this morning. Last Sunday, we were in Ephesians chapter 5. We had a blessed time together. Now we're in Ephesians chapter 4. But listen carefully as I just say one or two introductory statements before we get into that passage. I sense that this message could well help to bring greater understanding in terms of how the body of Christ is supposed to function here on earth, how it is supposed to work. And I want to remind you that the body of Christ is the greatest and most powerful body on the face of the earth. Do you realize that? There's no more powerful body or group or organization, but body is probably the best term on the face of the earth. And we need to know how God intended his body to function. And then we align ourselves with that purpose as revealed in the word of God. And I believe that one of the reasons why the body of God, Christ is effective in the earth today, but is not more effective, is perhaps because there's a lack of understanding in terms of how it is supposed to function, how it's meant to work. And so I'm trusting that God will speak and open our understanding in this time together so that we know how it functions and then we align ourselves with the purpose of God and that makes the body highly effective, amen? So Ephesians chapter four is the passage that we're looking at from verse 11 to 16. And I'm sharing it from the NIV translation because I love the way in which it is rendered in the NIV. It says the following, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip, notice that word equip, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we, this is the body of Christ, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And we say the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Please keep your Bible open because several times we're going to refer back and I want you to be able to just glance down and see it. So keep it open. 
And so I feel that there are three, even more, but three critical things in this passage that I would like to highlight for you this morning and trust that this will be a take home that goes actually into your heart. Three things. Number one, the role of the fivefold ministry is to equip God's people. This is big, this is important. This is something when you read this passage, you simply must understand the role of the fivefold ministry is to equip God's people. Now, please say this aloud with me. Here we go. The role of the fivefold ministry is to equip God's people. Now, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. This is in the New King James Version, and it says, And he himself, that is Christ Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, and here it comes, for the equipping of the saints. For the equipping of the saints. Would you notice that word equipping? Would you please say that word? Say it with me, equipping. A little bit louder, equipping. And may I suggest that you circle that word in your Bible, if it's hard copy, or if it's digital, just highlight that word equipping, because it is key here. What are other words for the word equip? Equip means to train. Equip means to prepare. It means to get somebody ready. And so if we look at the actual uh, definition of the word equip, it means to prepare someone for a situation or a task. And so the fivefold ministry is, uh, it has the responsibility of preparing God's people for a specific task. Now, we'll get into the task in a little bit of time, but I want you to focus on the equipping right now so they prepare people for a specific task. We also need to realize that God has given the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as gifts to the church of Jesus Christ. They are gifts to prepare and equip the church. And so we should see the fivefold ministry as gifts, and you and I should also value the fivefold ministry in that regard. And by the way, just shortly before this, also in Ephesians 4, it talks about how Jesus descended and then he ascended and gave gifts to people. And some of those gifts that he gave are these ones, the fivefold ministry. They are actually gifts. And when Jesus ascended, then those gifts were given. Praise God. And so I believe that the church can never become fully mature if the fivefold ministry fails to fulfill its mandate and its function. So God has given this fivefold ministry to help build and equip the church of Jesus. Now, let's look briefly at the various offices of the fivefold ministry, and I'm about to look at each one, but as we consider each role, would you please realize that each description actually is giving an understanding of how the equipping practically takes place. I'm describing each role, but then you kind of see, oh, okay, that's what they do. That's how they equip the body. The first one is apostles. Would you say apostles? Apostles, what do they do? 
many different things. They preach the word. They plant churches. They really help to establish the right foundations in the church of Jesus Christ. Generally, apostles are not limited to a, a particular environment or local church, although they may be based in a local church perhaps, but they tend to function in a broader context. Apostles are concerned with the bigger kingdom picture, perhaps in a nation or in, in, uh, in a continent or around the world. Apostles are also amazing in that they help to break open new frontiers for the church. Sometimes an apostle can be like in a given region where there's not much kingdom activity going on. They can be like bulldozers and they bulldoze stuff open so the church can begin to move in a particular space. That is apostles. Then prophets. To describe prophets, prophets are the mouthpieces of God. They receive revelation from God and then they pass it on to the church. Yes, prophets also foretell of things that are to come in the future. Prophets are very good at helping the church discern the times and the seasons. Sometimes we, we don't know, well, where are we exactly? And then a prophet comes and he says, well, we're in such a season right now. This is what God is busy doing in the church. Prophets also help interpret prophetic scriptures with amazing revelation. And then we know according to scripture that prophets, they exhort God's people, they encourage and they strengthen God's people. I'm thinking of prophet Ed Trout. When he comes and ministers here, choose life. Everybody walks out of those times and you feel so edified, so built up, so exhorted and it's supposed to happen when a prophet ministers. The third area is evangelists. Please say evangelists. They focus on the preaching of the good news of the gospel of salvation. You will hear them preaching this time and time again. Evangelists also have tremendous compassion for the unsaved. They also have a special divine given ability of God to win the lost in an unusual way. Evangelists help to connect converts into the local church. Oftentimes, you'll find that evangelists travel a lot because they're trying to get to new frontiers and get people saved. Many times, they also conduct outreaches. And so evangelists, I think it's fair to say that they are outwardly focused. And by the way, I think of our evangelism team. We have an evangelism team at the church. And if you're interested in getting involved, speak to Pastor Philip or Peter Stein. And uh, there's a number of people that have been trained on the evangelism team. They go in out regularly and doing outreaches. And I was reading the, one of the latest reports of many places that they've been to and ministered. And it's amazing to see the results. And I was particularly encouraged because I saw that they ministered in a certain environment and a couple of Muslim people converted and gave their lives to Christ and a couple of Hindu people gave their lives to Christ. Yes, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. It's wonderful. Because somehow they've got a special ability to get the lost to turn to Christ. Then the, uh, the next one is pastors. Please say pastors. Now we know this one pretty well. What are pastors? They are shepherds. They guide the flock and they feed the flock. They serve in the local house, the local church. Pastors, they oversee the affairs of the congregation. 
They give counsel to people, correction, encouragement, and comfort in the church. And pastors generally have an amazing heart to love on God's people and care for God's people. And then the last of the five, fivefold ministry, is teachers. Please say teachers. So teachers, they explain God's word to people. And they interpret the scriptures. Teachers are so good at helping you to apply the word of God practically in your life. They help you make sense of the word of God. They bring insight and understanding. And also, they help to ensure sound doctrine in the church. Praise the Lord for the teachers and the the role that they play in the fivefold ministry. And so there you have it. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And so these fivefold ministers are called to equip the, the church equip God's people. And uh, each role, as I've described it, also gives practical understanding of how this is accomplished. One of the things I think that is important is, yes, the fivefold ministry helps to prepare people, but they should never seek to make the people of God dependent on them. Am I hearing, are you hearing me? You know, it's so sad when you have a person with a prophetic ministry who's leading the ministry and they try to build towards themselves instead of away from themselves. They try to get people coming back to them all the time for a prophetic word. No, they should try to get people to be mature in Christ on their own, activate the prophetic in them, which we can all experience. The Bible says that we should all desire the gift of prophecy. And then as a result, you're hearing from God, beautiful words from God, for yourself, but they shouldn't produce dependence on the fivefold ministry. And so God has given us these wonderful gifts, the fivefold ministry to prepare and equip the saints for a specific task. But what is that specific task? And in point number two, it addresses that question. Number two, the saints are assigned to carry out the work of the ministry. (laughs) I'm actually enjoying sharing this point today. (laughs) Now, please say that with me. The saints are assigned to carry out the work of the ministry. So go back to Ephesians 4 verse 12. And it says there, for the equipping of the saints. Take note, who's been equipped? It is the saints. Now, he has the reason. For the work of the ministry. Please say that with me. For the work of the ministry. And that same verse in the Good News Bible says, he did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service. One more translation. The Passion Translation says the following, that this is to nurture and prepare all holy believers to do their own works of ministry. Something should begin to be changing in your mind as you're hearing that. 
What this also tells me is that every single believer, listen, every single believer has an important part to play in the family of God, in the body of Christ. Each one of us has a special assignment for good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in. And verse 16 of our text in the New Living Translation, it says, each part does its own special work. Now, in line with this, I want to ask you a question. You ready for a question here? Have you ever thought of the fact that God has prepared special works long ago that just you can fulfill, that only you can fulfill? Please, you've got to hear that because it helps you to live with a sense of destiny. The enemy wants to lie to you and say, your part in the body of Christ doesn't matter, it's not important, what a lie. It matters most definitely. And there are certain things that he knows you with your personality and gifting and your whole mix, you are the ones that are gonna fulfill those special works that he's given for you to do. Now, I wanna nice ask you another question, and this is a big question. Put your seatbelts on for this for a moment. Has it ever occurred to you that your pastor is not the main one responsible for the work of the ministry, but you are? It's getting a bit quiet in this church this morning. Come on. Many people, they look to those who are in full-time ministry and say, those people, they have to do the work of the ministry. But as I read my Bible, I discover that those people actually have to do the equipping of the saints so that the saints are actually doing the work of the ministry. Wow. And so this is actually, I believe, a paradigm shift. And 50 years ago, the way the church operated around the world was not like this. But more and more, I believe the church is growing to understand that this is how it works. The fivefold ministry equipped the saints, and then the saints are actually doing the work of the ministry. And so I want to tell you that old concept of the clergy and the laity is completely unscriptural. Clergy being the full-time people that are the men of the cloth, if I can put it that way, in full-time ministry. And the laity are those that are supposed to just come and watch the work of the ministry being done. That was the, that was the old concept, but it is unscriptural. And do you know that concept, I believe, could have even been influenced and brought in by the very devil himself because that concept is the greatest hindrance to worldwide evangelism. Because as a result of that, a couple of people in church leadership are expected to create everything and do everything and make it happen. But no, God's plan is that every member would be a minister of the works of God in the world. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise, amen. Praise God. I love what Pastor Alan Platt says, and uh, he's a friend of ours. He says, listen, people come to the church for the program, but they don't realize that they are the program. <laughs> Let me say that again. People come to the church for the program, but they don't realize they are it. They are the program. 
Because what happens is you come here and you get fired up, equipped, taught in the Word of God, and then you go out and you are the program in your place of work and where you are. It is wonderful when we begin to realize this and live with this sense of destiny. Now, in verse 12, we see the phrase, the work of the ministry. And I just kind of ask, well, what is the work of the ministry? What does that mean? What is it all about? Well, firstly, it's not a specialized job limited to professionals, but it is for all of the people of God. The work of the ministry simply refers to works of service, all Christian service, and every type of spiritual service that we do as unto the Lord, this is the work of the ministry. But you say, John, make it even easier for me because I'm a practical person. Help me understand this practically. And let me give you a few practical examples of what is the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry in your life would be reaching out to people in your community, showing the love of Jesus wherever you go, drawing others to salvation, making disciples, lifestyle evangelism, even preaching. Do you know that preaching is seen as a work of the ministry? Healing the sick. It's for all of us to heal the sick. Other examples of the work of the ministry is showing generosity to others and giving to others, serving others with your unique gifts. And so basically verse 12 is teaching us that every believer should see themselves as being in the ministry. And here's the interesting thing. In the ministry of the, in the kingdom of God, there are no bystanders. You might say, John, I just enjoy, you know, comfort. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. I'm sorry, you're involved in the wrong kingdom if you want comfort. <laughs> because God wants to use your life to make a difference. We're not supposed to be bystanders. We're not supposed to be observers. We're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. And I love this statement by Pastor Ed Rabid. He used to say this, we're all in the ministry. Come on, say that out aloud with me. We're all in the ministry. One more time, we're all in the ministry. Now please tell the person next to you, we're all in the ministry. Make it, make it personal to them. We're all in the ministry. Now, in line with this, I want to read to you something from Henry Blackaby's book, Wonderful Man of God, and uh, his book called Experiencing God. I read it a bunch of years ago, but it has these two or three paragraphs that I'd like to read to you. I don't often read from a book uh, on Sundays when I'm ministering the Word, but this I felt was worth reading. So let me read it to you. Henry Blackaby, he says, for too long. Christians have assumed that the activity of God occurs only on Sundays at church. In reality, the scriptures show that God is continually at work in the marketplace. When God launched his great work to bring salvation to humanity, he called Abraham, one of the most successful businessmen in his day. Abraham's son Isaac also prospered in the marketplace. Likewise, Isaac's son Jacob became wealthy through uh, became wealthy through his business acumen. 
Joseph served God not as a preacher or missionary, but as a grain administrator. Um, Moses, that was Joseph, Moses had a prophetic, uh, profound encounter with God in the midst of the work that he was busy with. Elisha was invited to join in God's activity while he was plowing a field. Amos, he declared that he was not a prophet, but a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore trees. Daniel served God as a government official. How many of you know we need more godly government officials in our nation? Jesus was trained as a carpenter. When he set about calling the 12 disciples, he chose fishermen and other career people. Business people are not intimidated by the world. This is the environment in which they live and thrive. Joseph of Arimathea was a businessman who used his contacts and influence to provide Jesus with a proper burial. Lydia, a businesswoman, was a key figure in the church at Philippi. Two strong supporters of Paul's ministry were Aquila and Priscilla, and they were a couple who were business owners. So the marketplace, not the church building, is where most of the people spend their time. God does not wait to encounter people when they enter his house on Sundays, but he goes to where they are and encounters them in their everyday lives. And this last sentence, Sunday services are an opportunity for believers to worship God and be equipped in their mission where they live and work during the week. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for this. This is powerful. And so often, you may have thought, well, you have to leave being an accountant and you have to become a pastor to be in the work of the ministry. No, you need to be doing the work of the ministry right there where you are. So what am I saying? I'm saying that God wants to use you to carry out the work of the ministry in your classroom. He wants to use you to carry out the work of the ministry in your legal practice, in your shop that you run, at your place of work, at university. He wants to use you to do the work of the ministry in your running club, in your retirement village, in your laboratory, and in government. Absolutely, God wants to use you. Are you getting the picture of all of this? Praise God, amen. Now, on to point number three, which is a brief one. Point number three, the body of Christ is destined to become healthy, mature, and strong in love. Please say that with me. The body of Christ is destined to become healthy, mature, and strong in love. Now, as I was preparing this message and looking over these verses, uh, some, something stood out for me, a couple of words. And it all has to do with the body becoming strong. Let me just read these words to you that I see in this passage. Built up, mature, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ no longer infants, grow up, mature body, builds itself up in love. And I wanna to say to you, this is a picture 
of how God wants His body to be. This is a picture or a vision of how His body is gonna, purpose, gonna turn out. And you know what? The vision is for a strong, healthy, and mature body. That's what Jesus sees. And if you wanna align with Jesus, then you and I need to begin to realize that that's what God wants to do. He wants a healthy, mature, and a strong body. And by the way, Many times we look at the body of Christ as it is now and there's lots to be grateful for, but I believe there is still much to be accomplished. How will it be accomplished? It will be accomplished obviously by Jesus the head, but it'll be accomplished as well by the fivefold ministry fulfilling their function and by the saints doing the work of the ministry, which according to this passage causes the body of Christ to be built up. You're doing the work of the ministry helps to bring about that strong body. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just look at verse 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4, which is the last one we're going to look at. And it says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Are you seeing the strong body? Of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so I wanna tell you that the body of Christ is very important. It is very important to Jesus. And let me tell you this, the body of Christ must be important to you as well. But you know, when I read these verses, it also makes me realize, listen to this, you cannot be a Christian in isolation. You might be listening to me and you're not dialed into a local church. I wanna say that's a problem. You're never gonna get into the full experience of the purposes of God if you are in isolation. You cannot be in isolation. You have to belong to the local church, which is the body of Christ. And by the way, according to Colossians 1.24, it makes it clear that the body of Christ is the church and the church is the body of Christ. And so I wanna to say to you that the church of Jesus Christ is gonna become stronger and stronger and more powerful in the future because this is God's plan laid out. It's gonna be stronger and more powerful and more mature as we submit to the head of the body, Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father, and we are seated spiritually with Him in heavenly places, but the body is right down here on earth, and we are fulfilling the purposes of God. And so this body of Christ will only fully accomplish its purpose if we are fully submitted to our head, Jesus Christ. From Him, all things flow that we need into the body of Christ. He alone supplies the needs for the body and makes us healthy. And my last statement that I wanna say to you today is that Jesus alone can make His church glorious and victorious. Please give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Only Jesus can make His church glorious and victorious. But there's an understanding that we need to have through these verses of Scripture. I've said three things. Number one, the role of the fivefold ministry is to equip God's people. Number two, the saints are assigned to carry out the work of ministry. 
And number three, the body of Christ is destined to become healthy, mature, and strong in love. Have you received the word of the Lord this morning? Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand, please? Stand right where you are. Now, what I'd like to do is two things. Firstly, I'd like to lead you in a brief declaration. And don't worry, this is a safe declaration just based on what has been shared from the Word of God. But I wanna ask that you make this declaration with conviction in your spirit, and then I'll close off in prayer. So here we go. Please declare this after me. I declare that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. I am part of his body. The fivefold ministry is given to equip me. I am in the ministry. I will do the work of the ministry for his name's sake. The body of Christ is becoming stronger and more mature. We are rising up. We are victorious and we will conquer in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is so clear. We cannot miss it and we don't want to miss it, Lord. But I thank you, Father, that as we get more of an understanding that we can begin to align ourselves with your purposes. I pray, precious Holy Spirit, that what you have spoken through the word today would rest deeply in our hearts and find fertile soil in our hearts. Lord, as we go out from this place, we wanna go with an understanding that we have to fulfill the works of the ministry, that we have a destiny to fulfill, special and unique works just for us to do. We only ask, Holy Spirit, please show us these things. Tap us on the shoulder, speak to us, drop things into our spirits that we would step out and obey. And I thank you, Lord, as we obey and do the works of the ministry, we will be so deeply fulfilled. But we say, Lord, to you be all the honor, praise, glory, dominion, thanks, and and power forever and ever and ever, world without end, in Jesus' name. Amen, and we all say, amen, amen.